Welcome to the Everyday Innovator Podcast for product managers, leaders, and innovators. Your host is Chad McAllister, helping you become a product master. Listen and get ready for higher performance, for the doctor is in. Hi, this is Chad. I appreciate you listening to this podcast. In this episode, instead of me interviewing a guest, I'm being interviewed. Mike Belsito, co-organizer of the Industry Conference for Software Product Managers, interviewed me a few weeks ago for an industry webinar. We both found the discussion very valuable, and I'm sharing it with you on this podcast as well. The topic is, are your misconceptions about product management holding your career back? Now, product management has a longer history than many people realize, dating formally back to around the 1930s. The first professional association for product managers that is still in existence, PDMA, began in 1976. While the discipline is not new, several misconceptions about what product management is and what product managers do exist. In this discussion, I'll help you find the best place for you to contribute to creating products and services customers love that's what this podcast is all about, and so that your career will take off. Now, two things before we continue to that discussion. First, do check out the virtual industry conference that's coming up on April 20th and 21st by going to industryconference.com. I'm not receiving any commission from industry, just recommending it because it is good. And second, remember, we take detailed notes for you. If you want to go back to anything we discuss, you'll find that at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 329. Now, let's hear Mike interview me. Hey, everybody. Welcome uh, to another industry interview. This is going to be a lot of fun. I think we're going to have fun today. Hopefully, um, well, if this is your first industry interview, first of all, I give you a very special welcome, and I'll let you know kind of what you're in store uh, for for today. But these are these are a lot of fun. These are really you know chats that we have with product leaders from all over the world on all sorts of different topics. Industry conference is coming up. You can go to industryconference.com/virtual to check it out. We'll have over a thousand product people with us for keynotes, for Q and As, for all sorts of fun stuff. So with, with all of that, you know, I want to get right into the topic for for today, which really it's a, it's an interesting one. And it's kind of twofold. It's one product misconception. So what are some misconceptions about product management? And then two, how might those misconceptions actually be holding us back in our career? So we're going to learn a little bit of history maybe, and we're going to, we're going to have some actionable um, advice. I'm sure that we're going to hear from as well from our guest who is Chad McAllister and Chad is the host of the everyday innovator Chad uh, has had the Everyday Innovator, which is an awesome podcast for product people. It might be one of the first product podcasts. I think there's hundreds of episodes. Uh, and Chad, thanks a lot for joining us. Very glad to be here, Mike. Thanks. Refresh my memory on that. Like, how far back is yeah. that? I feel like even when I was first getting into product, Everyday Innovator is like one of the only product podcasts that were out there. So maybe you could give a little info. Sure. So it started as a blog in 2013. And one of the interesting things I did was hopped in a motorhome with my wife and two kids, and we drove around the U.S. for a year and two weeks. And I was interviewing people along the way about you know product work, innovation work. And I got back home and missed those discussions and created the podcast in, in January 2014. So we've been running this quite a while. I don't think it's the first podcast, but it is the longest running uh, weekly podcast for sure. So quite a few episodes now. Check it out, The Everyday Innovator. I love it. I love it. And yeah, I love podcasting too. As you know, Chad, I, mm -hmm. I one of the co-hosts of rocketship.fm, which I have a lot of fun with awesome sort of creative outlet. So 
I'm a big fan of product podcasts too. So yeah, I, I think everybody should check out the Everyday Innovator for sure. But I want to get started with, you know, kind of digging into the topic here. And, you know, I think part of it is sometimes people make the assumption or just sort of have the belief that product management, especially software product management, it's a relatively new career field. And and that's true in a way, like I guess if you're comparing it to other professions like the legal profession or, you know, accounting, but it's not completely new. You know, it's not like it's five years old or 10 years old. Like it's been around. Like I'm wondering if you could kind of just give us the the background on that and uh, sure. yeah, maybe like a bit of a history of the role itself. Yeah, it's not uncommon to go to a conference, virtual conferences, you know, lately, where maybe someone on a panel will say, you know, I've been doing product management for 10 years, longer than it's even been a thing, right? And I appreciate that. And it certainly has grown in popularity recently. And maybe it was like four years ago, there was a headline in Wall Street, I think it was the Wall Street Journal that said, product manager, the, the hot new title from the, you know, the Ivy League MBA type schools. And so it certainly has grown in visibility. But I think what is useful to know is, is that the discipline's been around a long time. And so there's things that we can pull from that we might not even be aware that are, exist out there. And obviously, people have been building products for a very, very long time. But it seems like most of the history, when you look into this, traces the origins of this thing that we call the product manager back to around the 1930s in the U.S. And it seems like this is better established across the world, you know, in the U.S. than some other places, too. So it kind of makes sense to start here. And that was at P&G. And they called them brand manager first, the person responsible for developing a product and growing a brand and getting customers to adopt this, this new product. And then um, I think one of the useful things that happened was, what was it? Was it 1976, maybe? And we had the first and now the longest running professional organization pop up for product managers, right? So th this is older than a lot of listeners are, <laughs> you know, been alive to hear this. But there is a professional organization that has been around since I think it, I'm pretty sure it was six, called the uh, PDMA, the Product Development and Management Association. And that's how I got in touch with even knowing that there was a discipline called product work. My career was software project manager. And I went up kind of learning more about project management to help me with so software projects. And I was running into some problems that I couldn't find information out there, like from the Project Management Institute. And I, one day I thought, well, if there's a, a PMI for project managers, I wonder if there's a professional association for product people. And that's how I stumbled across PDMA and found just knowing about them and their resources, they kind of curate the body of knowledge for, for product people. That was really helpful. And so even though it's relatively new in the scheme of things, and certainly very popular in the last few years, there's a solid foundation of knowledge that we have access to. I, I love that. And yeah, it's like, even even these last few years, I think I know exactly that article you were talking about, the hmm. I think it was Harvard Business Review or whatever. Hmm. But yeah, it's like the role has been popularized, but but we've been at it for a while as product right. people. And, and maybe some of us came into the role sort of relatively new, certainly the Internet, you know, in the 1990s sort of popularized, you know, product as software and you know, kind of gives a whole new meaning to software product people now. But but here we are now. And I think. You know, sometimes when things are relatively new, because even if it was the 70s, sort of it's still relatively new for, for an organization to pop up like that. There are misconceptions that can that can happen. There are misconceptions that could sort of, you know, reverberate within the product world. And I'm curious, you know, for you, as you've dug in, what are some of these common misconceptions that you hear about when it comes to product management? 
Sure. And some of this, you know, as I was thinking about having this time with you, you know, what might be a good path to go down with some of the conversations that have just come up in response to the podcast and people that will email or call. And I kind of want to frame this in the, in the space of joy that, you know, what is it about product work that people are drawn to and where do they really find joy in that? And there is this large, big spectrum uh, for product work. And sometimes people think about it in a certain perspective and it might not be actually well aligned with what they're doing. And maybe just the change needs to be made to change their perspective on product work and help maybe introduce their company even to that difference of perspective. So since I mentioned PDMA, you know, the organization is the Product Development and Management Association. So we got management and development there in the title. And I remember going to the, these meetings, you know, that we would have once a month uh, to, with other product people, which was great because you can kind of con- commiserate with <laughs> other product people. And having this, this, these interesting and I kind of felt over time strangely odd discussions about, well, no, that thing you're talking about is product management. The thing I do is product development. Or that thing you're talking about is product innovation. The thing I do, it, you know, and these, these different terms and perspectives, when you throw the product marketer in there. Or project um, management, even. Yeah, Sometimes right. I see those two getting confused, right? Yeah. And a lot of people, and hopefully, I suspect probably some of the listeners too, they might be in a role that they're doing product work, but their title doesn't directly reflect that, right? So that's certainly not uncommon either. So to kind of just get my hands around this, what I think of as the full spe- spectrum of product work, I created this model and I need simple things to help me remember what they are. So I use IDEA, I-D-E-A, to help me remember this model. And the I part is ideate. This is where we come up with ideas and we put together a concept that we might pursue. The D is develop, where we're actually making this concept real, right? If it's software, we're writing code, building user interfaces. If it's something that we manufacture, we're, we're getting ready to do the manufacturing of that and, and the actual manufacturing part. E is, stands for evolve, which is what happens after we launch the product. So now we're getting into the marketplace. And if we did a good job, competitors probably take notice and they're making some changes to what they're doing. And we need to evolve our position in that marketplace and continue to make the product better and uh, maintain our position. And then because IDE doesn't really sound like anything I can pronounce well, idea, the A on the end there is for accelerate. And that's a collection of practices that just helps us do everything better, right? We might look at portfolio management in there if we have more than one product we're responsible for. We might look at lean practices and agile practices, other things that help us get better. So I use that framework then, the idea, to, to convey this full spectrum of what product work can be about. And you'll find that certain organizations might have a product manager that is all about the I part, right? Product management does our, our ideation and, and product concept work. Whereas some organizations, the product manager is all about the D work, and you know, we're developing, we're making a product real. And some organizations is all about the e-work. And they might actually call it more of a product marketer. It's like, I'm responsible for getting the product and launch the marketplace and then seeing it grow, right? Taking care of growing. And at the same time, I say that any given organization will use different terms for any one of those things, right? But I, I think we, we could talk about all kinds of misconceptions and myths. But I think just recognizing that there is this full breadth of product work available helps to open our eyes a little bit about what one might want to do as well, right? And, you know, personally, I like the I part. I, I gravitate towards the ideation part. I love doing new work. And I sure hope there's people around me that can pick up the, the 
E part and get this thing launched to the marketplace because I started getting really bored at that point. So, so, so that, that's one perspective. And I think where some yeah. of the misconceptions come from is just thinking about product work more narrowly when it really is this really broad, broad stretch of work that can be done. I love that. And actually, when I just think back on my own personal experiences, it's like, yeah, sometimes we might hear a specific role. I, the, actually, the very first product role that I got recruited for, I, I had a startup company that was acquired and, and, but it was the kind of acquisition where I had to go find a job afterwards. It wasn't, it wasn't one where I was retiring to a beach. And, and the position I got recruited for was director of product strategy. And I could tell you that that, first of all, I had to Google what that meant. But I could tell you right now, if I ask 10 people with that title, I'm getting 10 different answers as far as what they do. There's, there's not necessarily the all-inclusive, if this is your title, this is exactly what you'll be doing. So to your point, I like how you kind of broke that down in the specific areas. It's like, as we're looking for whatever sort of focus we want to have as product people, it's not just about the title. It's, it's really digging in deeper to see, right. does that match with what our interests actually are? So yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought up that, that framework that you create. I think that's helpful. And every organization uses different titles. You do have to go that next step, right? Well, what does that mean? What, what do you do? And I'll give you an example if you don't mind here. So, sure. so one of the listeners to the podcast had reached out and was a part product marketer. And as he described the role, he was responsible for what happens when the product is made real and we're launching it to the marketplace and we're trying to grow its position in the marketplace, right? So that, that lifecycle management work when you have a product out, out in the marketplace. But in listening to the podcast, he got really interested about what a product management role would be. And in, in his, from what I recall of this conversation, in his eyes, that meant more about doing that front end work of coming up with the new ideas and what, what, how do we create a new product or maybe make our current products better and doing more of the innovation sort of work. And so he reached out and said, basically, I really want to get into product management and this is where I am now. And the more we talked about it, he came to see that the work he's doing, he could easily reframe and call it product management if he wants to, right? Mm. He, he, he was kind of just stuck in this box like, well, this is product marketing work. Like, yeah, but what you're doing is you're just taking existing products, trying to position them better with customers over time, learning what those customers want, helping to refine and improve those products, and you're doing product management work. And he ended up finding another job, so he got started because he was in transition, and he found a product marketing job that he just loved. And all he had to do was really think about the work he was doing a little bit differently, and it became a good fit for him, right? And likewise, I think the opposite happens too. Like, like if you stick me, like I said, if you stick me in that product marketer sort of role, we've launched a product and we want to see it grow, and what do we do? That, that's less fulfilling to me than working on kind of this front end of innovation side of, side of things. And that gets back to my joy point, right? The, you know, it's been interesting. I've been having too many conversations lately with people that love the work they're doing and they really despise the environment they're in uh, mm. to do it. And even to the point that they're changing, changing careers and because and, they don't like the environment. Whereas I think if they maybe reframe what they're doing a little bit and look for the aspects that they really enjoy and try to find work that aligns with that, they'd be happier and maybe, maybe able to stay in their organization where they already are. It, and yeah, actually, I'm, so I'm glad you brought that up because yeah, going back to sort of the misconceptions, I'm curious, like, is that, is that one of them that, you know, is one misconception that, you know, maybe it's, it's what's more important about what we're doing versus kind of where we're doing it or, or what are some, I guess, more common misconceptions. I also want to kind of think about those specifically that relate to our careers. You know, you mentioned some of these things might actually be holding us back too. So yeah, what's your, what's your take on that? Yeah, I think the things that are holding us back 
is just not having good alignment, you know, between your role in product and where you really find joy. And, and maybe this is, you know, the way I just kind of framed that was you might not have a broad enough picture of what product work entails and you're not looking at the right place, right? So someone might come to product management um, thinking that it's, as I correctly would say, as I'm thinking about it, that it's all about customers, right? You need to understand the customers and spend time with them and, and know what the problems are. And you get into product management work. And in your organization, maybe it's all about the data. And they might even say to you, no, you don't need to be talking to customers. That, that's what our sales team does. That's what our marketing team does. They'll bring those insights. Your job is to analyze how people are using the product and explore the data and tell us how to make it better. And if that's surprising to you, then maybe you want to reframe what you could be doing with product and either at some point you, you can't make it work in the organization you're in, but maybe you can help the organization think about things a little bit differently because they are limiting themselves. If they're, if they're expecting salespeople to bring them the, the deep insights about problems, it's not going to help. It's, it just doesn't work, right? Salespeople can be our friends and they can introduce us and open doors to the customers, but they're in different roles. They have a different responsibility. And the customer, this is the key thing, the customer thinks of the salesperson differently than they're going to think of a product manager. So, so I think that alignment is one thing to examine about the work you're doing and what else might be possible. And the misconception there is simply, what does product management mean? And I was alluding to another conversation with a listener that I felt really heartbroken about because he had been listening to the podcast for a while, wanted to get into product management work. Even though my, my podcast is really targeted towards people that are well into their careers in product work, all kinds of people listen to it. And a lot of people have listened to it that want to break into product management. It helps you kind of think the way that a product manager should work, should think. And he was so excited. He went for his first interview to be uh, you know, a product manager and emailed me afterwards and said, that was really disappointing. They, they don't talk about product management at all like you do on the podcast, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, there, there are different perspectives for sure. And that's why I do like to enter this, this, this full breath so we can at least be on a page together and recognize that we might be focused in different areas, but that there's different work that needs to get done. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to dig in more on that. And, and uh, by the way, to everybody else, just a reminder, if you have questions for Chad, load them up in the Q&A section. I'd love to, to get to some of your questions as well. But on that note, I mean, if we find ourselves in a place within our organization, you know, many of us, m maybe we're in that spot. Maybe we're, again, enjoying the work, but we're in this place that is saying, oh, you don't need to talk to customers. By the way, I feel like if anybody's telling you, you don't need to talk to customers, like that's a giant red flag. But if we are in that spot, what what can we do? I mean, aside from, you know, start looking for employers that that do value when we're going to talk to customers, is there anything that we could do to to try to help sort of change that culture? Yeah, first I th think you need to examine yourself, right? And just take a, a clear assessment. And maybe I, I've always been a big fan of feedback, and it's painful for a lot of people, and I get that, right? But asking people for honest feedback is how you help recognize blinders that you might have. And if you're in an organization, and I, one of these is coming to my mind that says, you know, our product managers don't talk to people. And yet I know they have non-sales and non-marketing people engaging with customers, mm. right, to get di different kinds of insights. And what's going on there is really a level of trust. Right. And so something happened at some point, likely, and, the, and some salesperson with influence said, we're never having that product person with us again because, you know, the, mm. they really jeopardize the relationship with the customer. And maybe that became now part of the culture right? or whatever the reason is. Well, to help that, you as an individual, if you want to help that, 
you need to build some trust to be able to get some customer relationships going. If you go around the back of the salesperson or maybe a marketing team and reach out to customers directly, not going to serve your interests very well. You could go to non-customers and maybe build some relationships, which would actually serve your interests really well. If it's a product, you know, I, I'm a big fan of doing things scrappy. If this is a physical good sort of product, like I, I was working with a company that was developing the exhaust fans in houses, right? Like your kitchen exhaust fan and a ceiling bathroom exhaust fan. We could go hang out in Home Depot and on the aisle where the exhaust fans are sold. And as people come looking at the aisle, you know, and looking through things, and they finally pick one and start walking out. You can just simply ask them, so, hey, what, what, why did you make that choice? What were you thinking about? What do you need? And just get some insights that would be helpful to you, and you're not threatening the sales team at all. But then you might have some more information that you could go, maybe start, you know, take a salesperson to lunch. Might be a virtual lunch these days, but take them to lunch and talk a little bit about some things that you found out and try to build that relationship to the point where you might get invited to go out. Because if you're, especially in a B2B setting, but you're, if you're in a setting where the salespeople value long-term relationships with their customers, they actually do want to bring resources with them to show that the organization behind them has more value to offer to the customer. So they're, they're looking for people like product managers to do that. So back to the original question, what do you do? Take assessment of kind of your own self, right? And may, maybe what your strengths and weaknesses are, where you need to grow. But try to find a way to build relationships with customers that aren't going to threaten others in the organization. And if you build up that trust with the salespeople, then you're much more likely to be able to keep meeting with customers, even on your own. I love that. I love that. Because also, that's something that you can do you know, on your own, but then also showing maybe the value that you've been able to get out of it. And once, because that's the thing is like, right, leadership loves data. They love looking at, you know different things to understand like, okay, did this actually positively make a difference or not? And if you can now show data from those conversations you had with customers, like, look, I actually went out and talked to 10 different people and, you know, nine of them, you know, are, keep talking about this specific thing that, that maybe we can focus on. Maybe it's a problem they're experiencing. We can help solve it now. Data helps in those conversations mm -hmm. with leadership. So, but I love that that's something that you could kind of take action on pretty quickly. Obviously, you know, it sort of depends on the market, but I think that's great. I love that. Yeah. What about, are there other, you know, just as, as you've come across product people, particularly when it comes to, you know, one's career and, you know, if you've talked to certain people that feel like they're getting maybe stalled in their career, are, are there common sort of things that pop up, almost common like missteps that people are taking that you think they ought to, you know, maybe rethink or, you know, kind of, things that they yeah. could do to sort of revive that piece of their career? Yeah, yeah, I'll go back to the feedback item. And this works for anyone in any career, right? But setting a, a cadence of predictability of getting feedback with those around you is really helpful because we, we all have blind spots, right? And if I'm on a customer visit trying to do an interview and I might say something that I didn't even notice might have been offending to the person I'm interviewing, but someone else picked up on it. If no one tells me, I'm never going to know, right? And I, I don't want to make that same mistake in the future. So having people that you can trust to give you honest feedback, even if it might be you know, kind of a, like a gut punch, you know, and you're the person that gets to evaluate what to do with this feedback, 
But to kind of build that cadence to say, hey, you know, how did that work? Do you have any advice for me on what I did well and maybe what, what I could do better next time? That helps us just not to have the blinders on at times. So that, that's good for any of us. You, you know, there's all these models out there for what product management is about, right? And like we sit at the middle, Martin Erickson, who, who I greatly respect, you know, we sit at the middle of UX, which really is that customer piece in the middle of technology, in the middle of business. Okay, you know, but does that mean you have to be a technologist to do a good job? Not necessarily. The, the, the many CEO, which has been talked about a lot, you know, that we're product managers are the mini CEO. Well, we do have a great deal of responsibility and we have no authority, right? So we have to recognize that aspects of it. To help me with this question, I know we're getting close on time too, but listeners, if you would type into chat for us why you got into product management, if you're into product management now, that would be most helpful. And as you're doing that, I'll just go ahead and share the two common responses that I most frequently here, which is sure. people get into product management because they want more influence in the organization. And there's kind of two sides to that. One, one side that I really respect is, you know, maybe they had a product experience and they knew that could have been better. And they, they want to have influence to make things better in the organization. Some people just want the power and authority. And the reality is there's no real authority. And, you know, you have to wield influence. And then the uh, other thing is, is to kind of be more of a, a big picture. You know, I, I want to contribute more strategically, more big picture to the organization. Both are great. And by the way, product managers should be becoming senior leaders in organizations. They should have a role at the C-suite over their careers. Because we're in this really unique role where we interface with more of the organization than almost any C-suite role does. And so we bring a lot of wealth. And that's why people are, we are seeing a lot more product managers become executives than we maybe have in the past. So I think if your career, you're finding your career getting stalled a little bit, maybe reflect on why you got into the first place. And maybe your, your motivations have changed and think about if there's some misalignment there. I appreciate people who are typing in some responses here, too, to the question. Yeah, some, and, the, and they're, they're people-oriented, which I think is great. And it kind of goes back to not just people-oriented, but customer-oriented. You know, you, you said before, like, how important it is for us to be close to that customer. And you have some people that are giving their response that, hey, I, wa I wanted to stop writing code and, right. and kind of represent the customer. I, I love learning about people and how they behave and think, especially customers. So I, I love seeing the customer-oriented answers. I will say maybe this would be kind of a, a final question. I mean, I know we don't have a ton of time, but somebody asked the question about, hey, if we are supposed to be, say, interviewing customers as product people and we want to be in front of customers and learn from them, what if we weren't necessarily trained as, you know, behavioral scientists, you know, that we have a research team at the company it, you know, how do we sort of mitigate us as product people doing the interviews when maybe there is, a, you know, depending on how big the organization, maybe they have a dedicated research team. What's your what's your take on that? Yeah, so, so I saw that post too, right? Our question and the person mentioned the confirmation bias. And there are product managers who approach interactions with the customer to confirm what they already want to do, right? It's like, uh, of all the things that we could do about this product, is this next version where it's going or maybe this new product idea we have, I already got my path figured out. I'm going to go talk to customers and and collect some sort of data to confirm what I want to do, right? Th this is not helping anyone at all, and it's a total waste of time. Instead, you know, we, we've heard this. Hopefully, you've heard this. You want to fall in love with the problem and not your solution. And you want to really deeply care about that problem the customer has. And if you don't know how to do that interview yet, 
first just relax about it because all you have to do is just be curious, right? And just be curious about the customer and their problem and get them talking about when they have this problem, what else they have tried to do to solve this problem. You know, is this a really big problem to you? You know, and try to get it related to some other things and just be curious. And there's some really simple, useful guides out there. You can go uh, Google Ask Mariah, who wrote the, we had Lean Startup, he wrote the second book in the running series. Lean. Running Lane, thank you. Yeah. And then Scaling. Yeah. So Running Lane, and there's a nice little, and if you pick up Running Lane, super useful book, you can find his little interview guide. His uh, blog site too has tons of good resources. But you can find th- these interview guides, but it's really simple. Just be curious. And your job is to understand the problem more deeply and not talk so much about your solution. If you're at the early stages of this, you're not trying to validate your solution yet. You're just trying to understand the customer's problem. Later, we do care about validating the path we have to solving that solution. But now we just want to be curious and understand the problem. Oh, hey, Steve, thank you so much for sharing that with us. A a link in the chat. Yes. And Ash is one of my favorite product people. We've actually had him a couple times at industry running workshops. Mm -hmm. It's great. What I'll do is I'll email everybody some of the resources from Ash because I think that's great advice in my follow-up email later today. So. Keep an eye out for that, everybody. And, and really, we're, we're at the end of our time already. So things went quick. If there, it, what I'd love to do to end it, though, Chad, is just if there's sort of one very quick takeaway that you'd hope people could get from this session, what is that? And then and how can they kind of keep tabs on, on your work? Maybe you could just remind us about the podcast, everything like that, too. Sure. Thank you. And I'll, I'll put those two together, which, which is the you know, learning to think like a product manager is just having this appreciation for the customer problem, getting fascinated by that. And kind of understanding the, the interfaces that you have inside an organization to be able to deliver on that problem. And having this bigger breadth, maybe, of what product management is about is helpful. And the podcast, The Everyday Innovator, which, oh, by the way, will, when you find, look for it in your podcast player, will soon be called Product Masters Now. We're changing the name here after six years. It, it, it goes through. We, we just have interesting people on. Mike, you've been a guest before. We, we yes. have great guests that describe tools to use describe some mindset uh, aspects about how we think about how we can think about product management, maybe get out of our own way at times too, how we interface, how we work with those other aspects of the organization. So all kinds of good conversations that are obviously free in this podcast to simply say, you know, this is an easy tool for me to learn more about product management. So, and also of course, Rocketship FM is a great place to learn about founder stories initially, right? And also how we think about product. That's awesome. Well, I, I appreciate the shout out for Rocket Ship there too, Chad. Thank you very much for that. And Absolutely. and thank you for the for the time for joining us. This is a, a lot of fun. I appreciate it. And and to everybody that joined, uh, whether it's your first time or whether this is the tenth time, you know, come to these industry interviews. Thank you so much for being here. We have plenty more already scheduled. So you could go to industryconference.com and you'll you'll see a little bit at the bottom the industry interviews that are coming up. Feel free to register. Always free to take part in that. Thanks again, Chad, and thanks everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast. This is where product leaders and managers become product masters, gaining practical knowledge, influence, and confidence so you'll create products customers love. Find all the details of that discussion we just had at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 329. Keep innovating. Thank you for listening to The Everyday Innovator, which teaches product managers to become product masters. For more resources, please visit theeverydayinnovator.com.